Welcome to a somber Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast as our dreams have been crushed. I'm Spike Eskin, Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com, 82-0. Once a dream we were all a part of, that we were all having simultaneously, we've all woken up from. I thought there was a chance. You still- <laughs> that they Maybe they petitioned last night's loss? Somehow get back yeah. to 82-0? and 0? Yeah, appeal it. Can we put it in a... Appeal it? Yeah, I think we could do that. What do you? Th- Let me ask you, Mike, to start this off, just to get the ball rolling today. What do you think is more likely for the Sixers season at this point, sitting at three and one? The Sixers finish eighty-one and one, or the Sixers finish three and seventy-nine? Well, they're both pretty likely. <laughs> Equal. You know, it's almost like just flipping a coin. It seems really? as if one of those two things is most likely to happen. Well, before we talk about last night, would you, would you like to talk about the start of the year? I feel like we should recap the, you know, the feelings and the, the thoughts of the 3-0 and start because obviously we, we didn't get a chance to do that as it happened, but I feel like it's worth addressing. And then talk about last night and then sort of delve into what we think of individual players. Would you like to do last night first or the beginning of the season first? Beginning of the season. So I can't believe that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I wish that we could bottle up. I was going to say, it's funny, as it was, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm choppy here. As that 19 to nothing start happened, I thought to myself, I wish, I just want to bottle up this feeling, this 19 to nothing start, because this is all that we're going to have for a long time. Yeah. And then when they won, I was like, I was lucky enough to be on the air afterwards and you, you joined the program. And I felt like I would really like to just bottle up this particular feeling of beating the heat because this isn't going to happen again. But then it kept happening. I fully expected them to lose to the Wizards, especially coming off the Miami game. And then I fully ex- expected them to lose to the Bulls. I was so giddy that I didn't even, even I think we both went through and, and sort of tried to take a reasonable look at what was going on. But I didn't even want to. I didn't want to look reasonably at it. I didn't want to see how it affected lottery chances. Yeah. The, the notion that we weren't going to have anything like this for the rest of the year, which is probably likely, I just I just wanted to enjoy it, you know? It, it was so much fun. I just enjoyed it so much that I, I, really, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care about what it meant for Wiggins and what it meant for our percentages uh, at the end. It's just, whatever, you know? It's... The Sixers could go 0 and 82 and get the fourth pick in the draft, yep. or they can go 30 and 52 and get the first pick. So, I I don't think it's worth, especially early on in the season, really sweating wins as much as some people were doing. I think, and I think it's. And imp- I, oh, go it, ahead. I'm it, sorry. Finish your thought. Well, it was just, and really, it was just like. This is the most fun I've ever had watching basketball, especially Sixers basketball. They've been such a boring team for so long, and this and the first three games were crazy exciting. I think a couple of things as to the worrying about winning games that need to be addressed. The first thing is that nobody has any idea how it affects their chances of finishing with the worst right. Like, it, it doesn't... There's no formula to figure out how that's going to affect anything. Obviously, winning three games is better is it, it, at least in terms of a lottery is worse than losing three games. But they were going to win three games at some point, so yeah. you know you can't just watch every game praying that they'll lose because you 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 know like it just it's a it's it's to me it's as. It's as foolhardy as watching every game at this point and hoping that they'll win. Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, it's not about either one of them at this point. It's more about the players and and the the system and the coach. It's the wins and losses. And then the other thing is that the people that were like, "Well, this is bad." There's no, you can't do anything about it. It's not like they are. It's not like they have like this. It's not like Jason Richardson is in there. And has been yeah. hot for three games. It's not like the, everyone that they're playing is under is twenty five or under. Like there's nothing you could do. There's no way to tank it aside from 
from, you know, tripping the guys as they're walking on the court or purposely playing even worse players, which they barely even have on the bench. Like, you know, I guess you could give more minutes to Darius Morris rather than Evan Turner, but I don't even know what else. There's nothing you can do. Like once you once you put the team together, once you decide this is our our tanktastic, our tanktacular roster, there's nothing you can do. Everyone's going to go out and try to win that's playing. So so worrying about it is just it's it's an exercise in futility. It's stupid and it makes the process of watching basketball which for one reason or another, whether it's our job or not, everyone who is is listening to this podcast, you and I on this podcast writing about, we all at the heart of it enjoy watching basketball. It's fun and it robs the fun out of it. Yeah, we talked about it when I was when we were on the air together and it was how can you not enjoy this? How, how much you, you suck. The, yes. It's like, man, this is so much fun. And it, it, at the core of it, we're trying to have a good time. And it, since there's no direct correlation between the Sixers winning three games early on, or even one game, because that's when we talked about it, the Sixers winning games early on and having a good time doing it. And, at the end of the season, where they finish, you it, to be bummed out about it. It's it. I didn't get it. I didn't. I, I think part of it's our fault because we've been hyping up, especially me, uh, just hyping up how excited I am to be bad and finally be really, really, really bad. Um, but it's so early. It's so early. You can't start. It's like it's like scoreboard watching in baseball in April. It's like, no, you can't do that yet. Just relax. There's a long, long way to go. And especially people that like haven't rooted for losses before. Finally, tanking is now like a rebuilding people. People may get pissed off about the, the line between them. It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just a way of saying, it. uh, especially people that haven't, done it before or wanted to do it before. Now they're like, yeah, we're going to lose now. I'm on board with this. I want them to lose every game. And if it's their first time, you don't know what that's like for a full season. Right. I do. I do. Because I have been doing it for a long time. Uh, and it, it it takes a lot out of you. Well, and uh, and even like, like, okay, you want them to lose every game. All right. Okay. So you're in charge. What is the plan to, now? That they're winning games. Like, how do you adjust? How would you? How would you? How would you propose that they that they play worse? Like, what would well, you like? The, like, I don't even know what what you're supposed to I say about think, it. I don't you think know? it's. I don't think it's an issue for them. Uh, with their upset, I think it's more just like the result is something they're unhappy with. It's right. just like I don't think they're they're going to Brett Brown and be like, dude, what the fuck? I think it's more just like, oh, I wish we had lost that game. Yeah. Well, and um, and the other thing about praying for uh, hoping for losses at this point versus there's a very big difference between you know if they are 33 and whatever at the end of the year and if you know in in winning the last four games to somehow put them in the eighth seed and they lose to whoever the one seed is the very big difference between that and like the like the Sixers <laughs> were proposed to be not only the worst team in the NBA, but possibly, record-wise, many suggested, the worst team of all time. <laughs> so for that team, a team who a week ago you believed could very well be, not you, but uh, one believed, could be the very wor- worst team of all time to ever play basketball, to beat the two-time defending champions and possibly the best player who has ever played basketball— and another team who is thought to be a you know a top five team and a championship contender in the Bulls. If you can't root for that without, I don't even I don't want to have anything to do with you. I, like I understand the confusion and I I get it, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. And the, they're still going to lose. Like they're still going to lose. So so it was for me. I don't even want to concentrate on the people who like just please take the feeling of those three games. And put it away somewhere in in a locket. You know, if I could put it in a locket and a gold locket and wear it around my neck, I would wear it. You know, when we <laughs> when they've lost sixteen out of seventeen, including one to the Suns and one to the 
you know, one to the Cavs and one to the Bucks on a last second three by whoever the hell is on the Bucks now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you'll you'll want to look at that locket. You'll want to think about that three and O, that three and O start. So it's, it's like the it's the best story in sports in like a long time. The Sixers starting out three and O. Granlin did a a just a total article on Sixers yesterday. Yeah, it, it was just people had the Sixers at the top of their rankings because it was just so unexpected. He's just like, oh, I'm going to because it's not going to happen again. It's you just got to take plus and, and those little things like that, especially in a long season where you just don't know how you're going to survive it. But the best thing, and we we can move on to this now, is we know that Michael Carter-Williams is an NBA player, maybe a really good one. Yeah, before we close the book on the Grantland thing, we should uh, thank, I guess, the official ruiner of Philly Good Times, and that would be, I guess, Chris Ryan, in that after the Washington game, he wrote a column about how amazing it was as an Eagles fan to watch the Eagles with Chip Kelly there, and they they proceeded to lose, have to play three quarterbacks and score zero touchdowns in two games. And then Chris Ryan, who did, even though he tried to only minimally participate in the Grantland <laughs> Post yesterday, effectively ended the Sixers winning streak and and was able to bring on the worst-played Sixers game of the year against Golden State on Monday night. So thanks, Chris, for ending the winning streak. Yeah, you know, I think the the Michael Carter Williams thing is I'm still like obviously, you know, he he played better in that first week than anyone could have expected and better in that first week than is probably legitimate at this point. You know, he will have games like he had on on Monday night. But, uh-huh. you know, we talked in the season preview podcast about how we all had been had become a little more positive on Michael Carter Williams than we were previously, and a part of it was just our, us like hoping against hope and believing in it and, and that kind of thing. Just you know, having looking at the bright side of life, but Hinky. I, I Hinky and believing in Hinky. But I don't think, I mean, that first week, I I just didn't think he was capable of having a week like that at any point this season, much less the first week. Like I didn't think we'd see anything like that. He showed a lot of. A lot of calm. I think one of the things that I was worried about him going into the season, and the preseason I actually got a little more confident because he didn't look overwhelmed, is that he doesn't look, even when he's playing poorly, he doesn't look shook ever, you know? And he played, he's played some great players so far, but he never looked shook. Last night he did, I bet. He was really starting to rush shots, and uh, there were passes he started making that, just were, were sort of desperate, and they would get picked off, and then his body language would be kind of rough. It was, a, I mean, especially that second quarter, um, it was ugly. Uh, and, and then it bled into the third quarter and, and stayed ugly. Uh, but the Warriors were just out for blood last night. They, they, really, they really were. They were they were not holding any prisoners. Uh, but especially the first three games, the the control with which MCW played uh, was just tremendously impressive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I believed the jump shot would be okay eventually. Uh, it's been better than I thought it would off the bat. And uh, I know he gets to the basket, and I know he can defend, but putting it all together this soon against really tough competition and essentially leading the team. I mean, he's leading the team uh, at the end of the Washington game. No, sorry, Chicago. Uh, Evan had the ball on the wing. We're up one with like 29 seconds left. And and it looked like Evan was just going to go hero ball. And then he gave it up to MCW to run a play. And it was like, they believe in this kid. Well, and he two, looks like, he looks like he's eleven, and they believe in him. Yeah, it speaks to, I think the and I think the Golden State game letting him play the fourth quarter when they were down forty points. I think both things letting him making him play in garbage time as well as giving him a point, giving him the ball in a crucial situation 
speaks to the organizational commitment to like getting this guy getting getting this guy a lot of experience you know getting uh-huh. him the ball in crucial situations whether whether he's ready for it or not and he appeared ready for it but you know that if he's going to be the guy a, a guy moving forward that he's going to have to be comfortable in that situation and as well not letting him think that you're a superstar and we're down by 40 like you're part of the reason we're down by 40 so you're playing the fourth quarter you know you're you're not that yet and i think both things were good signs him playing the fourth quarter of a of an ugly game and him getting the ball in crunch time i thought by the way i went to the game last night and it's interesting to note, you know, I didn't go into the team store where I'm sure there's an MCW jersey or something, but you know the 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 kiosks along the way where you can buy all the Sixers merchandise where they have like jerseys and jerseys and sweatshirts and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. The only available names and numbers that were that were displayed and like <laughs> in my head I'm like, "Oh, that's because they got to get rid of these before they trade them." Were Thad Evan Turner, Jason Richardson. Those are the only shirts available in those kiosks. No new guys. Like, nothing new. No no. let's capitalize on the Michael Carter-Williams craze. It's like, we best get rid of these ET jerseys. We best get rid of... We have a lot of these in storage. We're using the same logo we used two years ago. We have the same ones. Let's get them out there. We have plenty of time to sell Michael Carter-Williams jerseys. So, I think one thing that... Um, that Andrew Uttenberger pointed out in his post on the 700 level about Michael Carter Williams' success, and I thought it was a, a really good post, just sort of documenting all the things that he's done well. Is we talk about length all the time, and it, you can talk about it in sort of a a a theoretical way about why it's good on defense. Like it's very easy to understand. But one thing that when I watch Michael Carter Williams on offense using that length is sort of just he seems really good. At putting when he's laying the ball up, understanding that his arm is longer than the other guy's arm, and yeah. sort of like a sweeping layup, whether he makes it a reverse because he can get his arm around uh, under and around the rim to to lay it up that way, or just sort of outstretching his arm to make sure he can get it to the rim without the shot getting blocked. He seems very crafty in that respect. Something that I would think a guy who is older would understand better. That it seems like he's picked up rather quickly. Yeah, he's, he did a couple times. He scored over Derrick Rose, and uh, it looks real good um, because he's, you know, Rose is long and extremely strong and very quick. And for MCW to to get to get baskets over him, it just it was just very impressive. It was just a, an incredible first week, and uh, you know, there's going to be a ton of rookie wall action. Yep. For uh, for him this season, that he's, he's going to hit it, and he's going to hit it hard, and people are going to be worried about him. But uh, we know what it's, we we know what he can become, and uh, I think that that's what you're building to. That's what you sort of it, you you hang your hat on it, you put it in a locket, you you bottle it up, and you just every once in a while just look at you know Twitter or Liberty Ballers or whatever from the first week of the season. And that'll keep you going. Fave everything from last yeah. week. Fave everything. The yeah. the other thing about Michael Carter Williams, and there were a million things that he did wrong on on Monday night. I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody was their worst possible self on Monday night. Yeah. That includes Evan and Spencer, and we'll get into that. But well, Evan he, ended up not bad, but he was he was some ugly Evan players. Yeah. yeah, it was. There was some old Evan in there. There was very. You know what? The, the thing that I didn't like about well, real quick about Michael Carter Williams. One of the things that that he didn't do well on Monday night that he had that he had done well is when he's shooting the three, shooting it in the right spots, like taking yeah. it at the right time. There were a lot of careless, rushed, you know, I'm just trying to yeah. get back my, my game sort of threes. Exactly. And that's the best way to stay off your game is to take the shots that you're worst at, which is what I felt like he did on Monday night. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, he started getting rattled, and they started getting down more, and he tried to get it all back at once. Shooting early on the shot clock, and that's, it was just, you know, it it felt very much like oh this guy's a rookie okay like I get it yeah uh, but also nobody else was doing anything well so it was hard to do anything I don't think they moved the ball well no it was weird uh, Golden State was sort of playing a similar game to them in that they were just you know playing a little bit of zone playing off their shooters 
and just trying to get in the passing lanes, which is what the Sixers have been doing well the past week. Uh, so they turned the ball over a hundred times, and uh, at least it was at it least a hundred. It just didn't seem like they used each other as well as they had been, um, and it was a lot of trying to break your man down one on one and trying to get to the basket, but then not keeping your head up and, and looking for the open man when that's happening. And I mean, it just it, it was just loss, like a pure, simple man. This team is much better than us. Loss. Yeah, it, we, we gave up the belt. They didn't look like a. They didn't even look like an NBA team last night. Like it was. It, my fiance at one point looked at me. She was like, "This is making me uncomfortable to watch." She said that in the third quarter. That there was one stretch where just like even you know, Thad, Thad was just with, I think threw the ball at the backboard to shoot it. Like it was it was a complete give up. Please make it stop. Portion yeah. of the game. The it almost felt you talk about not using each other on offense, and this is a, a cop out. And I'm not like I, I'm not putting it on. I'm not playing. I'm not saying their effort wasn't there. That's not what I'm saying. But it almost felt like, you know, they're not particularly skilled as far as offense goes. They're not. They're not good shooters. You know, yeah. by and large, it almost felt lazy. It takes so much work for them to get good shots, and it, it's almost as if when you watch them play at this point, it's almost as if Brett Brown has told them, if you shoot a take a shot that is not in the lane or beyond the three-point arc, you have to do a 1,000 push-ups. That is almost like the panic, that, except for Lavoie, who has no problem shooting 19-foot jumpers at all. Oh. The, the rest of the guys, and we'll get to Lavoie, who is just, we don't have to spend too much time on him, but it's just miserable to watch. But, yeah. but every other guy seems like is intent on either shooting a three-point shot or getting into the lane. And that takes a lot of work, especially when you're not particularly talented at doing either of those things. You know, So uh, last night, it felt like they just, it got real, it got real lazy as to, in terms of the offense. And I think that's where a lot of the, the turnovers came from and frustration came from and you know, the sort of focus that you need to have to execute at the level they had been, especially when the talent level is as low as it is. Definitely. Uh, and another thing I noticed you were talking about that he hasn't played well. He had he had I think he played well in the Washington game, but aside from that, he's I don't think they know how to use him quite yet. Yeah, it's a good um, point. He I love him taking outside shots, three specifically. I love that he hit three the other night. That was that felt great. Um, Especially against right. Chicago, none of them were forced. He was standing there, and they were like, "Okay, go ahead, shoot it." They were basically daring him to do it, and it almost looked Which like his great. his mental process was, you know, "All right, I'll give this a try." And they yeah. went in, which I think, you know, I think is good for him. Monday night, he didn't. They didn't. You know, they looked a little more forced and a little less natural. Yeah. But. Uh, no, I I think that is still the best player on this team, um, on both sides of the ball. You know, overall. Um, but because he he's he's pretty good in the half court, or sorry, in the in the fast break, he can't dribble too much. But he's good as the as the off guy, just you know, cutting to the basket. But because they're not playing too much uh, half court ball, I don't know that he's he's getting the opportunities around the rim that he would have otherwise, um, like garbage time stuff. Where they're they're missing if they're missing mid range jumpers, then there's a little less clang off the rim than than missing threes, so he's. I don't know that he's quite gotten the you know the just the junk the junk points that he usually gets, you know. Right. Yeah. He he does look lost. Like everybody else's job. Here are the two jobs in this offense: is to at least in the half court, not in the full court. He you know as you said, he's a good finisher in full court and is pushing it. You know, off of rebounds a little bit. He's boy, is he a horrid dribbler? Oh my goodness, he's just he is just watching him dribble makes me uncomfortable. It feels like I'm, you know, it feels like he's never dribbled before when I watch him dribble. But the two jobs, at least in the half court, are either being able to shoot three pointers or take it to the rim and it, off the dribble. And he's not. He's got a nice sort of first step move, but it's you know a lot of it seems to come from further off in the perimeter than he's comfortable driving to the rim and you know he's comfortable with that first step 10 feet away or 8 feet away yeah. and it feels like everything starts from you know 20 feet away where he's not com- I I'm 
I would imagine that he will he will find his place in it because I do agree yeah. with you. He's he's no good, argument. but yeah, but and he was I think against the Bulls he had twenty eight or twenty no because it was against Washington that he had twenty eight or twenty nine. Yeah, it was against you're right. It was the Washington game that he had twenty eight points that he had the, his best game. So we've talked about MCW. We've talked about Thad. Honestly, Spencer's good play is exactly what Spencer's good play looks like. I, I haven't yeah. been there, to me. There's been no revelation in Spencer is somehow a different player. We've seen this before. We've seen him play this way before. I think the biggest thing for me that is making me smile is that he is he is those threes are a real thing. I mean, they are yeah. a real thing. And if he's here, he is going to lead the team in three point shooting. He just <laughs> is. But, and it looks, it looks good when it, he looks comfortable shooting it, but I don't know how you feel, but Spencer hasn't, hasn't changed my mind or anything. It just, he's made himself more valuable. I think as long as he, you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt, I think he, you know, he'd be decent trade ship, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, you know how, we talked about this when I, when I met Spencer in that once you meet a guy, it's different. It's just, everything's different. Like we, I had a conversation with him as a person oh, right. and, and now I just feel, I love him. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I really do. The, the, the turn for me and Spencer is such a marked turn because everything he does now, well, it's also because, you know, the season's going to be bad or they're going to be a bad team. So I, I can afford to love, almost everybody that's having a good time out there and without any consequence. But also Spencer, you know, is, has been good. Like he's, he's been very good. I, I, I love when he's passing out of the hot bus. I think that's something that, uh, he's always been pretty good at, but now that guys are actually cutting to the rim, uh, unlike when Doug was here, um, he can, he can use his passing ability a bit more to, to get open shots for people. Um, I love shooting at the top of the key. It's, it's so great. And the, the, the shot against the Bulls. Uh, Chicago was, yeah. was, was one of my favorite shots ever. I mean, it was a behind-the-back pass from MCW. Uh, pump fake to get no in the air, step in, shot, backpedal, and then turn it into a celebration. It was, it was so great. Was, the first three games were the best. They really were. I don't care about, you know, nobody loves the draft more than I do, but... Uh, it's it's not going to make a difference. They're going to be fine. Let me tell and, you something, uh, Mike. Your boy, I wish we had been doing this podcast longer. And I under I am I am telling you, I understand your position switch on Spencer Hawes. I get it. I've been, I've yeah. been there. I am yeah. there with some guys, you know. Yep. But boy, is it hilarious. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I mean, you've said I'm not even. You know, he doesn't listen to the podcast, but. Like the words that have come out of your mouth describing <laughs> Spencer Hawes previously compared to now is as if somebody put a spell on you. It, <laughs> it's like it's like a witch somewhere had a reverse voodoo doll and uh, somehow made you fall. It is amazing to me. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. <laughs> it's so great. One guy. One guy was one of my favorite Spencer because there is a Spencer defense core out there. You know that really likes Spencer. And when is there I, really? Yeah, there is. There definitely is. I was followed by Spencer Hawes fans on Twitter yeah, the other. Yeah, there's, there's Jody Meeks fans. <laughs> yeah, so they exist. They're out there. But one guy, I mean, it's they are far. There's far fewer of them than Team Evan. You know, Team Spencer is yeah. much smaller, but they are there. And one guy said was trying to defend him and say like why he's valuable. And he said this is the best Spencer quote of all time. He goes about Spencer. He goes, "You can't tell me he's not a top twenty passing center in the NBA." And I go, you got me, man. He is one of the 20 best passing centers in the NBA. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Boy, okay. So let's talk about Evan and and Evan's uh, not surprising play so far. This is, I think, one thing that I didn't account for when, you, when we were talking about his points per game and you had him around 20 and I had him around 17 is just how, I, I guess I accounted for it, but not realistically. I didn't account enough for it with how many shots he can legitimately get in a game to get him to 20 points. I mean, it seems more possible to me that he could score. And he has played well. Aside from Monday night, I thought he was really sloppy. I thought he did the the one thing. And I he has done this a lot less. Evan has done the one Evan thing that drives me the most nuts less. But the, the, the dribble, dribble, dribble from 17 uh, feet away jumper is just the worst. It's the worst. 
It's the worst, and he did it last night, and I was like, oh, old. And he's got to be. Oh, he's got to be. She's got to shoot eleven percent on that. Yeah, it, I, it never goes in because because everybody knows what he's going to do. Yeah, especially especially Andre Iguodala. Yes, knows exactly what he's going to do. Yep, Andre's just messing with him last night. It's like, all right, dude. Yeah, keep dribbling. I'm faster than you are. I'm longer than you are. I'm the best perimeter defend, defender in basketball. I know everything you're going to do. See, try it. Just try it. And that's the best thing about Evan this year is he's been working within an offense. Yeah. And it's also because there hasn't been an offense prior to this year, so we didn't know if he could work within one, but he can. Uh, he's passing the ball. He's getting shots uh, off off the ball. Uh, it's been great. And there's been minimal times in the first three games when he was bad Evan, trying to do everything, dribble, dribble, pull up, that kind of thing. But against Andre, I mean – he, he Evan ended up getting his shots and getting some buckets at the end to where he finished with, did he finish on like 20 on 18 last night? Who, Evan? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Uh, but again, when Andre was guarding him, it was just like all of his bad habits came back, and that's not the guy you want your bad habits to come back against. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, he's, so Evan's going to, I mean... How much is he averaging right now? I think he's averaging something like 22 yeah. points a game. Yeah, would, like, it's got to be something. I don't have it in front of me, but it's probably like around that. 50% shooting or so. Like, yeah. And he's getting to the line. He has, he's not hitting outside. He's not hitting threes. I don't need a three at this season. Um, but he's got to the line, I think, over five times average, I think, still. Yeah, he hasn't, um, hit, a, he hasn't hit a three this year. You, we, It is possible, and I think I, we, we'd all agree that Andre Iguodala is good in terms of spot up from three. But you remember the year before he left, he was shooting 40% from here, which is not realistic. You can have outlier good three-point yeah. years. And I think Evan Evan is best served. If he's in the corner and he's wide open, then it's it's a fine shot. But aside Definitely. from that, I think he's... It takes more... You, you know, the thing you, you talked about with Evan, and this is the real key, and I think it's the real key with any player who is trying to become... who is in the process of becoming something else. And I think Jerry McNamara said it about Jerry. Michael about Michael Carter Williams' jump shot, is that like when you're used to doing one thing, and you're changing, and you, you know you're getting better, the real test becomes when things get tough. Do you do you revert back to what you did before because you're comfortable yeah. doing it? And yeah. it was just one game, and I'm, I'm I've been really pleased with what I've seen with Evan so far. Not pleased against the Golden State game, but nobody played well, so that's that's fine. But the real key with Evan will be when they're not winning three in a row and it's not working. Like the the offense, let's say the offense is creating those shots, but they're not going in. And that's the one thing that I kept trying to tell people is that like they are hitting shots at a at a rate that they they can't hit. They're just not at good enough. To, rate. Yeah, at, like shooting over fifty percent as a team. It's just it's crazy. So when those shots, when they're getting those shots, which are the right shots, but they're not going down, does he is he able to? You know, he will always have moments where he reverts back, but will he be able to, by and large, keep his game within the offense and keep doing it? And that's the real question with Evan, and that'll be, I think it's, you know, it's big that it's a, contract years are big for players, and it yeah. is, it, I would hope that he knows that it suits him best, even as far as his contract and his career, to continue, people will see right through him trying to stack stats the bad way, but they mm-hmm. they will be impressed if he does it the good way, and I hope he continues to do it the good way. Well, I think it's a matter of if, if he buys into Brett Brown in the offense. We know he doesn't particularly love Sam Hinkie or have any feelings towards him at all. It's not He's not his general manager. We, yeah. we, we saw that. Boy, gosh. Wow. Uh, I, I would like Evan to stop talking altogether. Yeah. Because he the more says, he talks, the more his trade value gets weird. I'm going to get my um, money regardless. Like, come on, man. Yeah. I get it. I, I know. I know all you're saying. These are all true things, but all things all that you shouldn't say. Yeah. Please shut up. Yeah. Um, but it's a matter of if he buys into the system. And uh, because he's been, you know, for his whole life, the be- either the best player on the team or allowed to act like the best player on the team. At Ohio State, he, he did everything. With the Sixers, he wasn't the best player on the team at, at any point in the first three years, but because Doug Collins' offense was was comprised of nothing, pretty much trying to, you know, either break your man down and get a 
jumper or dribble handoff, and then you can do what you want to do at the big. I don't know. Because it wasn't there, he could do whatever he wanted and just act like the same way he acted at Ohio State at, uh, on a smaller level. Um, now now he has the opportunity to play within an offense and to buy into an offensive system. Um, and it, it really is. You're right. If, 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 he, if he sticks with that when times are bad and last night was bad and everybody, including Evan, including MCW, including Zad, uh, just started hoisting up shots um, to try to get it all back at once and really, really got out of rhythm and, and Golden State did whatever they wanted to. Um, and that's going to happen this season because they're bad. But uh, you hope that Brett Brown's system still maintains itself on games like that. And you hope that the guys that we care about stick with it. But he's an all-star, so that's uh, what's going to happen. <laughs> I agree with you on on all cases with Evan Turner and last night. And by the way, just a quick note about Golden State. I don't want to take too long talking about them. And they do have Steph Curry is something to watch in person. He's so good. good so good. Clay. I love Clay. Yeah. They, they, are, they are something to watch. But I will say this. They are really sloppy and undisciplined on offense. And Steph Curry, while amazingly skilled, is playing a little too... There's, there's a little too run around be yeah. Steph Curry. And I don't know if that if they're working things out or if Mark Jackson just doesn't... Like, just lets them do whatever they want. But playing the way that they do, they're not... Like, they could get real hot in a series and, and yeah. beat a team they shouldn't, but they're not a championship team. The, the way hope, they play. I hope they are. Because first of all, I put I put money on them to come out of the West just as like picking a team kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I really love how their team's put together. I Nobody likes David Lee except for me and Tanner. I like David Lee. I like, you do? Yes, I'm a big David love, Lee fan. Welcome I, to the club. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, look, the, him being bad on defense is is one thing, but he is a he's a really good offensive player and a yeah. really good rebounder. And I think uh, I think he's I think he's an under I think he's generally an underrated player considering I the numbers he puts up. Yeah, I think because so many players are bad at defense, but for whatever reason, David Lee is like the poster child. Him and like Amari are like the poster child of bad defensive players, and they get so much shit for it. And uh, he's so efficient on offense. And, hey, defensive rebounding is part of defense. It's, it goes with it. And he's great at defensive rebounding. So if, if you look at offense, defensive rebounding, and defense, he's exceptional at two of those three things. So I'll take it, you know? I'll take it, too. Back to um, the Sixers. Can we talk okay, about some fine. other Sixers? Sorry. Well, Tanner, just a quick note. Tanner Seidel yes. plays. Exactly like David Lee. Really? He he is a that is he is a clone of David Lee on the basketball court. Also, he's lefty. He's well, lefty Tanner, you could be expecting seventeen million dollars a year at some point yeah. soon. He's uh Tanner is coming to visit me on uh, Thursday night. Ooh, that should be hot. Yeah, we'll talk all about that. And we're and we are playing basketball on Sunday, so I'll report back to how that goes. YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> all right, James Anderson. May not be, again, it's just been a week, but I was hoping he'd be one thing, and it seems like he may not be that thing. You know, (laughs) maybe, I was hoping he was a guy who, like, he just may not be very good. I don't know. It's just a week, but... He's certainly not very good. but, But he might be less good than I thought he was. Uh, He hasn't been hitting his shots. No, yeah, which makes him down to. yes, it makes him pretty valueless as a player. Well, uh, yes, certainly. If he's not hitting shots, he doesn't have value. But he's better at other stuff on the court than I had previously thought. Yes, and I think people are giving credit for it. He's he's a good rebounder for a two guard. He got he's come up with over the over the first three games. He's come up with some big rebounds on the defensive end at like critical times in the game. Um, surprisingly athletic around the rim which I didn't expect 
like yeah, more, he's a, he's a more than he looks. Yeah. Yeah. You made a great point about him looking like Elton Brand. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird thing. He looks like a, a miniature kind of Elton Brand. I don't know what it is about him. So oh. Like a half half fat, half just like shoulder shrugging. Yes. Sort of like you look at him, you're like, oh, hi, James. Like he doesn't he doesn't look like James Anderson should look. Yes. Well, can we go back to Evan? Just one quick thing. One thing that Always. he's done. He's he's used the rim to finish around the rim better than he ever has. So much better. Way better. It's noticeable. I mean, it's... And that's it, what we talked about. Yep. We talked about that. Because he last year, the first two years, he was okay at finishing around the rim, but he could have been better. Last year, he was much worse and wasn't drawing fouls at the rate he should and wasn't finishing. And it's just like, as he talks about those outlier years when, you know, Evan's going to have a good outside shot and it's going to be like, okay, and they're going to shot 39%. I think there's the same thing where it's like you just have a year where things don't clear away and you're just shooting, you know, 48% around the basket. Yeah. And that's that, that's not sustainable in the way that you want it to be sustainable. So I think by accident he'll hit more shots. and That's why I think we talked about that last week. Um, so he's been getting to the line and finishing at the rim at a better rate. And that's it. I mean, he's a different player. He's a different player when that kind of stuff happens. And that not only makes him more valuable to the Sixers, but – other teams are seeing that and going, okay, you know, all right, this is, I think his trade value in the league is, is going to go up. Um, but I, because the stigma around Evan is that he's sort of pouty and he thinks he's better than he is. And, uh, I think the bust label will be hard to shed. Yeah. The okay. first part of that, the first part of that stigma is well-earned. I think yeah. he is. That is not an unfair stigma. Whether it will stick forever or whether it, yeah. you know, is who he is. So James Anderson. So you know, I hope the shot comes up at some point. Let's just put it, will, it that it way. Will, it will. I mean, he's not going to be good. You, I think you had him scoring more than 10, 10 and thirteen points or something like that. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, oh, Spike, you didn't. Spike, you don't know. Spike. Yeah. Well, I thought uh, he would just get. I thought he would be the beneficiary of open shot. I think he could be, I still think, if the shot's going, he could be a nine-point-a-game guy. I mean, he's the two-guard. He has to, right? Yeah, I think, I think, I think eight, eight or nine or something like that. Yeah, that's more likely, but he'll have games where he just doesn't hit shots. He's, he'll have you know, the occasional 20-point game when he's like, you know, four for six from beyond kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, he's, you know, he, he, I think he led the team in assists uh, the second or third game. Um he had five he's, boards Monday night. Yeah, he's he's better at other stuff than people had. I mean, he's not just guy that stands outside and shoots, which is kind of a bad thing because <laughs> yeah, I wish you he wish was. he just all he wanted to do like just do that. <laughs> Honestly, but, uh, if him and Hollis Thompson could just be good at the things that we thought they were good at, <laughs> even though it's far fewer hey. things. Hollis to the three last night. Yeah, I know. I watched it. I saw the dunk, too. Boy, he wanted to hit a shot so bad. He was like, I know it's garbage time, but I don't care. Um, you got to get those times. When you're, yes. when you're a bad player, garbage time is the best time. Lavoy Allen is uh, maybe an okay person, but a waste of space on the basketball court. Shoots as close to the three-point line without getting past it as possible. Yep. He just doesn't care. Doesn't care what the point of the offense is, and the only reason he gets minutes is because their their big man rotation is so just deplorable in yeah. terms of skill. Yeah, yeah. It, he is. He just doesn't care. I don't even know what I, else to say. He doesn't care. I would rather see thirty minutes of Daniel Orton than five minutes of Lavoy. Because at least Daniel Orton will lose a couple pounds on the if he plays thirty minutes. Like it'll help him get in shape. I don't know what the advantage to playing. Lavoy is aside from that he exists, you know. He's, he's got three three million on his deal this year, and it expires. The cap space, I'm sure, will be used well, but I would like to trade him as quickly as possible. Yeah, he's. You want to talk, and I don't think anyone could be a, a bad influence per se, but like he's not a good one on the court. No. I don't, you know, boy, he just doesn't care, and it's so funny. You know, they talk about motor coming out of college, and everybody chuckles at it. But th- that was the rap on him, and I guess the rap on him was was certainly was certainly right. Daniel, Dan- he has talent. Like he yes. really actively he just has doesn't talent. care. I, he went to Pensbury, uh, and I went to Castle Rock, and he played against us in high school. And for whatever reason, there was a tournament in our school, and I did play by play for it. So I, I, I was I've been following him, and he went to Temple. So I've been following him since for. Uh, seven years now, and he's the same player. He's, I mean, he's the same player he was then, which is better than people give him credit for, but still passive as hell. 
and just doesn't really care enough to, to make himself into a better player. No. And it was, that was the case at Temple. Fran Dunphy tried to work him into, you know, realizing his potential. But really, you know, just get what comes to him and do what he feels like. And he's not going to be a tremendous liability. Although, defensively this year, he's been pretty horrid. Uh, against KG in the playoffs that year, he was pretty okay. So far this year, he's been just miserable on defense. Um and yeah, it's just it's it's twenty footers because he feels like it not setting his feet, um, not really working to like pick up loose balls or, or battling on the rebounds. It's just I I would like him as far away from the court as possible. Uh if they can trade him for almost anything. I, I mean a second round pick would be great. And nothing nothing would be fine. Yes. Just not having him on the team anymore would be would be Dude, if they get the rights to Ricky Sanchez back, do you know <laughs> how our Google score is going to go up? I mean, geez. And a bunch of disappointed people when they Google what rights to Ricky Sanchez is when the Sixers trade for him and get this podcast in return. <laughs> Daniel? So, oh, go ahead. So they're, trading, they're trading Lavoy Allen for this podcast. Yes, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Daniel Orton is okay when he's not posting up. I just He got a little post-up happy last night. I guess everybody yeah. got a little bad happy, but yeah. has had has had some decent moments defensively, I think, and you know he's something. I like him. Yeah, I like him. I, I, he's 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 real strong. Yeah, uh, he he can move pretty well. He has a little bit of touch. It's like a little bit of touch on like a guy that's very strong, sort of. A, He's not smooth by any means, no. but like he, you can see him trying to have touch, but sometimes he's just too strong to it. Like his hands are too big and the basketball is too small, and he's sort of just like trying to fit this thing in the basket, and it's just like, oh, trying to be delicate with it, but he's not because he's big and strong. Uh, but he can move. Um, I, like, I like him posting up. It hasn't been successful. I like the idea of him posting up, uh, and if he can learn to pass out of the post, because the Sixers have no post threat at all. And if he can come in, you know, I, I think he'll be here a long time because he's just solid. Um, so I think if he can be a guy that comes in 10, 15 minutes and just bangs in the post a little bit and tries to get open looks out of the post, you know, just bullying guys that are, he was, who was covering him the other day? Ah, I can't remember. And he was just backing them down, and a double team came, so he had to give it up. But uh, if, if he can just bully guys for, like, you know, two baskets in the post, and then people have to pay attention to him, and he kicks it out, and we get open shots, that'd be nice. He, uh, I think it's just body type, but he reminds me of Oliver Miller. But I think it's just that he's overweight and has long arms. <laughs> I don't think he's overweight anymore. I think, no. I think he's looking... He's less out. overweight, I guess. Yeah. I could not love... I don't. I can't have a reasonable discussion about him. I know you're gonna say. I could I not love Tony Roten any more than uh, I love him. So good. He is the so best. Fun. The best. My fiance was trying to figure out who her new favorite player is going to be. She's not Nevin, right. you know. And so we went to the game last night, and you know, I've told you before, she fell in love with like the brand Iggy, you know, Lou era. Yeah. And yeah. she's been searching, and I go, I go, just watch number eight. And she goes, I was already looking at number eight. She was like, I don't like his, his devil goatee because he's got the long goatee. But I was like, I was like, Val, just watch him. He doesn't care. He just, he has no care in the world. He's not a good shooter, but he doesn't care. He's going to shoot. And like, there was one, one on five fast break. And she looked at me and she goes, I knew he was going to shoot at one on five. I was like, yep. Cause he does. He is a, a pleasure. He cares on defense. People want to yeah. want to compare him to Swaggy P. He is Swaggy no. P with effort. He is he. I love. I hope he's here forever, forever. Yeah. Tony Roten forever. So, so much fun. I love. He hits a three, and then immediately the play after, it's like I'm hot. Yep, <laughs> one I'm three. Hot. A heat check I'm, after one I'm shot. Hot. I'm ready to go. And so it's just heat check Tony Roten all the time. That's his permanent heat check. Uh, so much fun. I forget who the pass was to. I think it might have been to James Anderson. There was, a, there was a fast break, and the Sixers were had been dry. It was against the Bulls, I believe. And uh, the Sixers have been on a run, and things are going great. And Tony Roden just did something awesome. 
and then he gets he steals the ball again. He's dribbling on the court, and he's starting to lose control of it a little bit. And he and he, and he underhand flips an alley oop to, to James Anderson, and it goes like forty feet over his head. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like it was like a a, a, a two on four where you're gonna alley oop to a guy who's not very athletic. Uh, Tony Roden forever. Really. Yeah. He, I tried to make the comparison. Somebody made fun of me. I was like, he is a lovable, less skilled version of J.R. Smith. There's yeah, like no, the, the way he plays. He can't shoot, and J.R. Smith can shoot, and he's but he's not a big old douchebag like J.R. Smith is. So, yeah. uh, boy, I love Tony Roten. Darius, he, he, he gives a crap. Which yes, is cool. yep. Uh, and, Dar- he, and, he, and he really can be a good defensive player. That's, I think, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what it's it's fun. It's fun to like see. From from a from an enjoyment perspective, Tony Roden's the best already. Absolutely. But from uh, from an actual basketball when this team is good perspective, he can be valuable just on the defensive end, and also you know he'll, he'll provide an offensive spark, but really just for fun. That's really what it boils down to. Dude, his his only potential problem on defense is that he cares too much. Is that he yeah. tries too hard? Um, real quick, because I have to get out. Of, we only have a few minutes left. I have to get out of this studio. Darius Morris and Hollis Thompson both seem rather, you know, there were going to be guys that weren't that good, but, I mean, I, I can't figure out the use of either one of them. Darius Morris would be better if we had a shooter, I guess, that we could play him in the backcourt with. But, yeah. by and large, I, I don't see much use for, for him. I, I mean, he takes up space. I don't, yeah. I don't mind him as a backup point guard for five years. I, I, he's young, which is at least something. I, I, don't, I don't mind him just being around and be like, okay, okay, you're cheap, and you can, he can shoot a little bit. Uh, I'd like the face mask. Which is a fun element. I think if he didn't yeah. have a face mask, I think he's worthless. But yeah. just giving him a little something is fun. Uh, I feel like he tries too, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, he tries. Um, he just... I, I just—he's very—he's sort of bland. The face, without the face mask, he'd be completely forgettable. But uh, he sort of just blends in. He's like, okay, Darius Morris. Like, yeah, he was a good player at Michigan. Like, he was a good player, and he was—he was the focal point of that offense. So he can score. Um, I think I. I you know, it's going to be effort. There's not many backup point guards in the NBA. There's failed starting point guards, and then you know a couple backup point guards. You you want a guy that like you know AJ Price is a is a very backup point guard. Yeah. Like Brevin Knight for a while was a very backup point guard. So you want, I think I think from a from a who's your backup point guard? Eric Morris, ten minutes a game, sure. Real quick, I'd like to close with a few things that I'd like to get your reaction on. You ready? Bring it. Josh and I have talked. I'm going to be a sixer God for life. damn it, Mike. <laughs> if I ever write a book, <laughs> the name of my book is going to be Always a Winner, Never a Champion. <laughs> I never heard that one. You want to hear it again? Yeah. If I ever write a book, <laughs> the name of my book is going to be Always a Winner, Never a Champion. Because oh, I never have had a ring, but I've always felt like I've been a winner. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate him so much. I'm so glad. As he was at the first game. I guess and the thing that, that stung me most was at the end when it made it look like they didn't want me because I knew that wasn't true. Oh, God. I don't know what else you could ask me to do to dissect the game. So can you unplug Well, I mean, you guys watched. I mean, the last week has been very hard for me. Okay. Uh, do you just have millions of those quotes queued up? Millions. I have more than you could ever imagine. God damn it. I have two years worth of of just Doug quotes. I just have to... I'm, my biggest problem is I don't know what they all are. Like, they're all yeah. only, you know, labeled moderately, so... He, uh... Him being at the first game was excellent. Absolutely classic, yes. All right, Mike. We gotta go. Hey, let's win some more games this week. Yeah, win them all. Win them all, baby. 81-1. and one. We'll talk some college basketball next week, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. See you, Mike. Goodbye. Like I said, hold your head, son. Don't take a second. Check it out now.